Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Big day today, obviously. Uh, two games. And, and, and I said this when I opened up the show. I feel like we're, we're, we're really blessed, right? Like, I feel like all four of these teams are very worthy of making it to the Super Bowl and representing yes. their conferences in the Super Bowl. I, I feel like I'm more excited about today than maybe I am about the Super Bowl because I feel like we've got two Super Bowl matchups that we're going to be watching today, right? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, when you, if you're looking at, you know, making picks, or there, there are arguments to be made on both sides in, in both of these games. But, you know, there's been some tremendous football that has been played by, you know, all four of these teams. And so this, I mean, today is going to be a, you know, a great day. But, you know, just in terms of, you know, who deserves, who deserves this, what the difference might be very slim by the end of the day. All right. So so we're going to we're going to break down these two games with you throughout uh, the day. Um, we've got Jordan Renan, who's going to be joining us this hour as well. Uh, of course, news, Ralph Akiano, who I know you know really well because uh, he, he was covering the team while you played for the Giants, Kiwi, is reporting that Daniel Jones very well could get a contract uh, in the realm of $40 million a year. And if you recall, I'll go back to when the season started. I said, pick up that, ta- p- pick up that fifth-year option. That was like $20, $21 million. I said, pick it up, pick it up. They didn't. Here we are. And, uh, you know, I, I think the Giants would like to pay him somewhere between 31 and 30, 32. Uh, but apparently his camp wants 35 to 40 in the realm of a Ryan Tannehill or a Kirk Cousins or a Dak Prescott. And, 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 to, be, and to be fair, when you look at what he's been able to do this season and what yes. he was working with, which was close to nothing, when you look at the QB market, I, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Here's the thing for me, right? Um, I enjoy the storyline of, you know, a young man coming into the league, having multiple coaching staffs of changes and, you know, different systems he had to learn. And then, then being asked after everything he's done, you know, to play for a new contract, you know, this late into, you know, his, um, his first one. And he came out successful, not just successful, but he exceeded expectations. And so, you know, when I look at it, yes, absolutely. I want him to remain a giant and, and, and the whole thing. But um, first and foremost, I look at him as just, you know, uh, a player, you know, an individual. He did a, a great job managing, you know, everything that comes along with playing in New York and getting this team to, you know, as far as he got. So, you know, I hope he gets everything he's asking for and everything he deserves. So, again, we're going to hear from Jordan Renan coming your way in uh, less than 30 minutes with an update. We'll also hear from Rich Samini, uh, news with the Jets. They went out and they hired Nathaniel Hackett uh, to come in and be their offensive coordinator. So uh, those intentions, based on uh, the fact that he failed miserably in Denver as a head coach, mm-hmm. um, and we've seen it before, right? We've seen it time and time Absolutely. again, right? Like where, where somebody, somebody's not a great head coach, but yet they're a better offensive coordinator. Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, a number of head coaches that the Giants have hired that uh, were, were a lot better as a position coach than they were um, or a coordinator than they were uh, a head coach. So we'll see what happens there. Also, there's the narrative out there that the reason that the Jets hired him is they want to try to lure Aaron Rodgers to New York, Kiwi. Yeah, I think going back to what you said, first of all, coordinators have the luxury of like getting to deal with the football without having to deal with all the, the other stuff that goes along with it in terms of like ownership relationships and, you know, managing um, emotions and managing egos and everything like that. And, you know, time consuming things like just putting together the schedule and, you know, creating the staff. Um, so when you, 
when you look at a um, a guy who doesn't have success as a, as a head coach, it doesn't mean that he doesn't understand the X's and O's in football. And a lot of times, you know, they go back to being a coordinator and they're very successful. Um, you know, what does this mean for for the Jets? I think we all know what the indications are in terms of you know who they who they might be targeting in terms of you know trying to lead this this team this franchise from the quarterback position. But um, you know, we'll we'll wait and see how it plays out. What are your thoughts? So yeah, I, I mean. You know, it's interesting. I, um, I, Robert Sala came out and he said he inter- 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 uh, interviewed at least 10, if not more, potential coordinator positions. Uh, the stuff that I've heard out of Denver was not great in, in the way that Nathaniel Hackett managed players, uh, and, and he definitely lost that locker room. I had Cynthia Freeland, very dear friend of yours, as well as mine, on the show yesterday, and not sure if you were just listening. Um, I replayed that interview at 730 and, uh, and she pointed out, and she's right, new ownership group, um, the way that that, that new ownership group w- is, is and was running the Denver Broncos, not sure if anybody could have success uh, with the way that they were doing things last season. So, But at the end of the day, really, I do believe that this hire is to try to get Aaron Rodgers here, Kiwi. But here's the thing. He's not even saying that he's playing next year. He's, he's, he, doesn't know, he doesn't know if he's playing next year. Yeah, and this time I'm actually inclined to believe him. You know, I, I think you know he might be at that point where he's really you know considering it or as close to considering hanging up it as, as he as he can be. I think you know everybody has to make that choice for themselves. And if you are afforded the luxury to go out of the game the way that you want, you know, you, it's it's a thing that you have to really really consider because you only get one opportunity to to play in the NFL. You know, once you're done, you're done for the most part. Um, and so I, I always say like you know every player has to decide for themselves when it's time to hang it up. You know, we don't we can't look at somebody's game from the outside. Side and, and decide for them um, but I would like to you know for him to not drag this out so that you know the teams can move forward as they need to so uh, so that's that's really you know we'll spend a lot of time obviously talking about the Giants and what Giants fans will open up the phone lines 800-919-3776 what would you like to see them do with both uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley I think their intent is to make sure that they both re- re- return to the offensive side of the ball uh, also, by the way, the Giants are in a really good situation. They have the third most cap space heading into this offseason mm. behind the Bears and behind the Atlanta Falcons. Just Time FYI. To spend that money. But I want to say, Kiwi, they're drafting at 27. I want to say that's their spot right now, if I remember correctly. So Jordan Renan will join us to break all that down. Rich Samini will join us in our second hour around uh, 9, 9.15 uh, as well to break that down. And Mike Tannenbaum will be joining us at 10 o'clock. Let's take a call before we take our first break. I do want to come back and get your thoughts on the matchups later on this afternoon, Kiwi. Ira from Staten Island. He wants to talk about Nathaniel Hackett. Ira, welcome in. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Anita. Good morning, Matthias. Morning. Um, Listen, the Hackett... Good morning, good morning. Hope you enjoy the game today. Um, The Hackett signing... Listen, I'm lukewarm with it. Um, I know he hasn't had the greatest track record as an offensive coordinator. I'm throwing out what he did in Denver. And I, I know very close to the scene that I can't really go into. Um, Hackett was brought up on. Of course, you want to connect, connect the dots. I get it. But the Jets were really bent on getting a veteran play caller. And let's, be, let, let's face it. Once Frank Wright, the handwriting was on the wall that he was going to Carolina, there really wasn't much out there. I mean, you want to throw in Greg Roman, maybe. But at, at the end of the day, he was brought on board. Okay, yes, maybe a little to attract Rodgers. But that wasn't the entirely sole purpose to get him here. They wanted somebody with experience, 
if he, he checked some of the boxes that they wanted. Um, is it the greatest ideal? No. But let's see what he could do. I mean, let's face it. The Jets' job right now, you know, Salah's on pretty much a win, or he's probably much gone. They don't have a quarterback signed right now that, that's going to be their starter. So it wasn't most, the most appealing job. So when you throw that in and how many veteran play calls are out there, um, you know what? i got to give the guy a chance. Hopefully, you know what, head coaching maybe wasn't for him. Maybe he's the type of guy that could be a decent coordinator. Ira, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Um, let's go to Maddie in Florham Park. Maddie, welcome in. Hey, Anita. Uh, good morning. How are you? Uh, for, before I start, I w- I'm looking forward to listening to your uh, golf segments this year. We're almost oh, thank there. You. We're almost there. We're almost there. We launch, we launch on the tee the Sunday before the Masters. That's when on uh, the tee we'll be back. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, great. Uh, two things. Number one, um, Daniel Jones. Uh, I hope the Giants keep him, Anita. And I, and I agree. I think that his camp's correct. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill type money. Uh, how do you think? Uh, three years, $105 million, $65 million guaranteed? Um, I'm, I'm, and thanks for the phone call. Thank you uh, for, uh, for being excited about the golf show. So am I. Um, I'm thinking three years. I'm thinking anywhere between 35 to $40 million a year. I'm thinking anywhere between 80 to 90 guaranteed. What do you think, Kiwi? I mean, that, that, sounds, that sounds pretty good. I mean, it sounds pretty realistic. I, I think when you take a look around the league and, and what other quarterbacks are available, you know, I think it's, it's obvious that there are a lot of teams that are going to be – him looking for quarterbacks and for him to be a free agent, you know, he's going to garner those kind of numbers. So, yeah, um, I think, yeah, somewhere somewhere in there, somewhere in that 35 to, to 40 a year range. Right. 800-919-3776 is the phone number. When we get back, we'll continue with your calls. Also, uh, we'll start previewing the two matchups for this afternoon. Anita Marks, Matthias Kiwinuka, and you. It is New York game day here on 98.7 ESPN. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Uh, so, Kiwi, two big games on tap. I've had a good hour in 20 minutes to, to talk about these. I'm curious to get your thoughts briefly because I know we'll do an even deeper dive uh, into these. But uh, the first one, you've got the 49ers taking on the Eagles. Uh, what, what's, what's your lean here? What's the side you're on right now heading into this Oof. matchup? Oh, I mean, this this is um this is a this is a D line game. This is an offensive line, defensive line, um you know game type matchup. This is one of the games that I would love to have played in. You know, um, <laughs> there's going to be opportunities. There are going to be opportunities, but you have to create them. Both teams are going to want to run the ball, and you know when you go into a game like this, you understand that. So your job is you have to stop the run and force them to throw the ball. And then when they do throw the ball, you know, <laughs> that's when I think. You know, Philly would would definitely take the advantage in terms of you know their pass rush being able to get after a younger quarterback who you know nothing nothing against him, but we just haven't seen how he's going to react. You know, he's been tremendous thus far, and I understand the story, and it's great. Um, but I think once you start you know putting applying pressure and you know and actually getting some hits on a on a quarterback, that's when you really get to see you know how they're going to be respond, how they're going to react. Are they going to be able to stand in the pocket, deliver the tough throw, knowing that they're going to get hit? Are they going to be able to get up, you know, rattled and and continue to you know orchestrate drives um and i think you know philly is you know gonna you're gonna come out you know because they they outmatch them in in a number of different ways but at the end of the day it's going to come down to experience and then of course later on we've got cincinnati going up against kansas city some major concerns uh with patrick mahomes in that ankle at least for me 
And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, right? Like, to me, it's like blood in the water, and, and you as a defensive lineman, you're sharks. And not that you go into a game intentionally trying to harm someone, but you knowing that that ankle is not 100%. How are you going to go about getting after Patrick Mahomes and tackling him knowing that he's on a bum ankle? Yeah, I think, when first of all, when you go into the game, you want to um, you want to make sure you assess the situation <laughs> well, you know, because we don't know, you know, how he's how his ankle is actually going to respond. We don't know, you know, how bad it is. Are they, you know, playing it up, you know, just to, you know, for mind games and, and that kind of thing? Or is he is he really hurt? But you'll find out, you know, really soon. And I think the way that you do that is by, you know, you got to get him to move off the launch point, see if he can scramble, and then you'll see if he is going to be, a, a, you know, as effective. But when you talk about, like, going after him, absolutely. You know, you're going to you're gonna go in, you're going to, you know, gator roll in, in your tackle and, you know, try to make sure that you secure the tackle same thing nothing dirty everything within the confines of the of the game but this is you know the sport is you know you're trying to get your opponent to submit you know at the end of the day you know these are grown men who are in a fight you know and and somebody's going to come out on top so you know you gotta first beat the man in front of you which will be the offensive lineman but then when you get there you know you put a little little extra on it little 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 extra sauce on it right <laughs> yeah yeah okay okay all right um quick break we come back and jordan renan is going to join us on the program uh, do a deeper dive into the contract situation uh, this is the big storyline of course for the giants this offseason and that is uh, you know what type of deal do uh, does does joe shane uh, come to an agreement with with Daniel Jones again they could have exercised that fifth year option and had him right now at 2021 20, uh, million dollars a year but now we're talking about 35 to 40 and then what do you do with Saquon Barkley what do you do if you tag him so Jordan Renan with the latest when we get back New York game day 98.7 ESPN now back to New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum Matthias Kiwanuka and Anita Marks our friend Jordan Renan joining us Jordan how are you doing I'm doing all right. I'm back to uh, spending Sundays at home, you know? It's not, it's not, <laughs> yeah. oh, from my perspective, not the worst thing. <laughs> how, how long did you hang in there during the game? How long did, you, how long did it take before you got up and walked out of the room? Uh, I will say I had my story written like 90% by halftime, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was pretty much, I was pretty much done by halftime, the, the story. It, was, it wasn't, it wasn't going to change. It wasn't going to flip, you know? 21 or nothing I was uh I was pretty sure I I, I was done and 28 nothing at that point you know the halftime forget that right it, it was it was um you know the the way that they were putting up the points right like so they were it, it seemed like it was just you know they were dominating up front obviously but what did you like what did you see what was your takeaway from the game like after having a week to calm down after it I mean I just saw a team that was way better and you kind of the more I thought about that game going into it, I was like, "Well, is this a matchup?" And I think I even said it to you guys, uh, to you on the the day, the Sunday morning, the next day, and I was like, "Man, you look at the matchups and you're like, well, the wide receivers against those cornerbacks, not a good matchup. Flip it around, not a good matchup. The, you know, the Eagles defensive line against the Giants offensive line, not a good matchup." And, you kind of just saw that all play out, and the Giants did not play. You know, they would need their A game, and they need the, the Eagles to play their, like, C or D game. And the Eagles brought their A game, and I don't think the Giants, you know, you saw the talent discrepancy. So that, to me, is kind of what really stood out. And, you know, that shows that they have a lot of work to be done. You know, they need to get more weapons. They need to solidify that offensive line. 
they need to get more defensive line depth. I think that is huge for this team. Like they are way too thin at that position. To, so, so let's say, so let's uh, say right there. What is your success. yeah? Let's say let's say right there with the with the, the D line improvements because that was something we wanted to touch on. Where where do you think that these improvements are going to come from? Free agency, the draft, or you know developing? Like how do you I anticipate them trying to get that done? I think both. I think they're going to go into the draft and, and add to that defensive line for sure in the first, you know, three rounds or so. Uh, like, or it, they're going to at least on day two or day, you know, I, I see them adding a defensive lineman, right? Uh, whether Leonard Williams returns at a lower number, I, pr- I probably think he does in some way, shape, or form, whether they, you know, reshape this contract or whatever. But they need to start planning for the future, and that's a position I think where you could get. Um, where you can add from the draft, and it doesn't need to be a first-round pick. And then I also think they're going to, and this is the big thing, I, I believe, when you talk to Joe Shane and you hear him talk about team building, he's not going to go out and just add you know, five high-end guys just because they have money through free agency. I just don't see that being the way he builds this team. Mm-hmm. I see one or two big signings. Right, each offseason supplementing to the roster, kind of what they have done in Buffalo up until this year, you know, when they went and made the big splash for Von Miller. And then he'll concentrate on filling out the roster because they know that they need depth. And I, I see a bunch of, you know, mid range, um, one year type guys of like, you know, filling out the defensive line and really like the secondary with guys that have proven they could play in this league. Uh, so I think that you're going to see both draft and free agency and in regards to the defensive line. Okay. Well, let's talk about the, the two glaring um, decisions and, you know, contracts that need to be re, um, redone or reworked. Or... Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> what are you hearing? What is the latest? Where are we at with these contracts? Uh, well, Joe Shane made it very clear that, you know, Daniel Jones is essentially going to be back. He even, like, slipped at one point. He said, you know, we're happy to have Daniel back when – you know, I think that's like a, a foregone conclusion, whether it's the franchise tag or a long-term deal, that they're going to have him back. And now they would like to get a long-term deal done. I know that. The question is, can they come to, you know, an agreement and uh, have a nice number that works for both sides? And I, I think look, the quarterback position is fairly simple when you want a guy back because the franchise tag is sitting there, right? All right, so... If they don't want to pay him $32 million, he says, well, pay me, you know, then just franchise tag me. Right? If you don't want to pay me over $30 million, just franchise tag me. You want to keep me? So it's going to end up in the 30s, upper 30s of, you know, close to $40 million range probably for Daniel Jones. And if they could get something done there quickly, then that leaves the franchise tag for Saquon Barkley. Barkley is going to be the more difficult negotiation to me. If the Giants could get to $14 million a year, I think that would be an easy deal to make. I'm not so sure that they want to go there, though. They have they didn't show at the during the bye week when they negotiated them that they did want to go there. And then if they had that franchise tag, now you're talking that's $10 million a year. So uh, that that's a that's a workable number for the Giants for sure. Mm-hmm. So I, I you know we'll, we'll kind of we'll kind of see how that goes. But look. Running backs, it's not easy to get your money. Remember Ezekiel Elliott? Mm-hmm. He had to go Absolutely. live in Cabo for like a month, right, to get the, get the Cowboys to actually pay him. And at the time, he was probably the best, by far the best running back in the game. So mm-hmm. it's just it's going to be a struggle for Saquon Barkley to get that money. And uh, 
we'll, it's, it's we'll kind of see how it it's goes. always a struggle it's always a struggle especially for running backs to to get the money because we know you know how brutal that that position is and how um, yeah. The drop off is, you know, it's not because of you know lack of will or drive or want to. It's because it's physically exhausting to be a 200 and you know something pound man being you know targeted you know by 300 men, 300 pound men who run you know sub 540. So, um, yeah. but but there's but there's a lot to be said about um, Saquon's leadership skills, his ability, um, you know, I, and, yep. and that. Kiwi, the fact that he. Like, his value to the Giants, I was having this conversation with someone yesterday, his value to the Giants is more than his value to anybody else, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because of who he is, because of his role on this team, they don't have a, really, you know, a lot of other weapons. He is their best offensive weapon, and he's a leader. He's a guy who's been there through, the, I want to say ups and downs, but it was mostly downs, right, for the first four years of his career. And so it would be a hard move. Like, yes, business-wise, you say, well, I don't want to pay a running back. Let's move off this guy. That, uh, and I get it. I would not want to pay a running back either in regards to positional value. But think about the repercussions that would have to the locker room. This guy stuck it out, you know, finally helped us get to where we wanted, and then they just mm-hmm. this new regime came and just discarded him. That's mm-hmm. a tough sell for the locker room, you know? I mean, you've been in there. What would what would the, what do you think the reaction would be to that in the locker room? If that oh, absolutely. Oh, it'd be, oh, it would have been a um, you know we'd have torn the club up. You know, it's you don't um, you know it's it's a you have to reward players who do everything that is asked of them and still produce. So it's not just that he's a good leader or anybody can give a speech and this and that da da da. But part of the reason people are willing to follow you know somebody like Saquon is because he's actually producing. And when he wasn't having the numbers statistically that he wanted to, he was working his butt off and still saying and doing the right things you know to um to get himself you know back to where he could produce. And then he was asked to you know basically pay for play and and he went out there and he and Daniel Jones I thought put on a great um uh, show this year in terms of you know doing exactly what this team needed to do and and exceeding expectations. So um, let let's start with that. You know, we're, let's move on from you know the contract situation. If they let's assume that the two of them find a way back, you know, into Giants mm-hmm. uniforms next year. What are the expectations? Obviously, playoffs weren't the expectation this year, but after having made it um, and you know performing down the stretch the way that they did, where do you think the expectations are going into next year, given that you know the two main factors come back? Yeah, look, I think the expectations should be to you know just continue to head in the right direction. Now, I think the loss in the playoffs almost served them well in that regard because you're not going to have unrealistic expectations, right? It's not like, all right, we're ready to compete for a Super Bowl, right? <laughs> like, we found out, okay, this roster is still pretty far away from competing with the, the Eagles, with probably the 49ers uh, and some of these other really top teams. And quite frankly, we saw the Cowboys too, right? I mean, they they did they lost both against the Cowboys, and one of them, Cooper Rush, started. So uh, they still have a ways to go. So I – and – I, I bring this up all the time, and I know it's a little different because the hope is that the Giants have Daniel Jones, and at Buffalo, where Joe Shane and Brian Dable were their year two under Sean McDermott, they had to take a step back. Now, I think it's possible that the team could be better and have a worse record next year. Like that, that is in the realm of possibilities. I don't think that's crazy. That the the schedule is going to be a lot tougher. They play yeah, the AFC South, which was which was terrible, right? And the and the NFC North, which wasn't very good. Like so. Even coming into the season, like every strength of schedule has the, everyone in the NFC East. Like, 
with some of the easiest strength of schedule. So it might not turn out that way next year. So I think just getting back to the playoffs, continue to to go in the right direction, to shore up some of the – and I don't think you're even going to be able to shore up all the problems you know, on the roster. The idea is going to be, okay, what can we do this year? What's most reasonable this year? Wide receiver one, which I know everybody wants to focus on, that might not be a spot you can fill this year. The Giants are drafting 25th, and it's a terrible wide receiver class in free agency, right? So you might not get that true number one receiver this year. It might take another year to find that guy. So I think I think it's important to preach patience in this. It's still a rebuild. This is year two. You want to see them make strides and be a better team, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the results are going to be significantly better. You're going to see them in a championship game or a Super Bowl. I, I, I think we're still not quite at that point yet, but let's see. Let's, let's see the roster he ultimately puts together. All right, good stuff. Real quickly, what are your what are your thoughts on this weekend? You know, 49ers, Eagles, we saw what the Eagles can do. Do you think they'll be able to repeat that yeah. again this week? The way I look at it is both these teams are really good, right? Mm-hmm. But who has the better quarterback and who's playing at home? It makes me want okay, if I'm if I consider it a coin flip, which I kind of do, I got to lean towards the team with the better quarterback playing at home. So that would be the Eagles. I mean, that's kind of how I'm viewing it and then we'll see the other game it's all right we'll see we're gonna let's see if uh how healthy Patrick Mahomes is otherwise you know respect to the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow man guys guys legit you know that's the guy you want to build around you know that's a no-brainer I'm curious to see where that because remember that quarterback contract is going to come up in the next year or two probably and they're, like, notoriously known as the cheapest team in the NFL, the Bengals. I'm curious how they do Joe Burrow. Because Joe Burrow, realistically, can be like, I want five years, $50 million. I want it all guaranteed. Absolutely. And so I'm curious to be like, let's see if Joe, yeah, let's see if Joe Burrow can get five years, $50 million, 55 whatever it is by then, fully guaranteed from the Cincinnati Bengals. Absolutely. I think, you know, having a, 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 main, a franchise player's entire contract fully guaranteed, I think that's a huge step for the NFL. I think when we look back on it 10, 15 years from now, we're going to look back at that contract and say, oh, wow, this this started um, a, um, you know, a wave or, or a trend of, you know, high level guarantees in the in the league. And for me as a former player, I think that's that's awesome. I think it's it's, it's amazing. And, and I hope that you know, every player who's deserving can, you know, can reach that goal. Um, yeah, it's a little yeah. easier to do with a quarterback than other positions, you know. You got to start somewhere, uh, though, right? Dur- <laughs> you know, you gotta, durability. You gotta, yeah, you exactly. Somewhere. That's what the guys – that's why those guys – the guys that have to do it. Like Deshaun Watson kind of was the first step. And now let's see Joe Burrow, I think, is the, could be the next one. And or Lamar Jackson to sort of, you know, take that torch and see how far it goes. Absolutely. Well, as always, I appreciate having you on. Um Enjoy the games this weekend. Yeah, enjoy. This is a good championship weekend. It's a great weekend, man. Enjoy it. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. That was Jordan Renan. Stay tuned. Um, Right here, ESPN Game Day 98.7. I'm Matthias Kiwanuka. We'll have Anita Marks. And then at the 10 o'clock hour, as always, we'll be joined by Mike Tannenbaum. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. Nick Wagner, who covers the 49ers, joins us now on New York Game Day. We want an update. Earlier in the show, we uh, got an update from Adam 
Teicher about Kansas City, the 49ers, another team dealing with some injuries, especially in the backfield, right? You've got Christian McCaffrey, who's dealing with a calf, Elijah Mitchell dealing with a groin, and, and Tevin Coleman was elevated from the practice squad last night, which means, uh, you know, red flag, there's a chance that Elijah Mitchell will be inactive, and uh, and also uh, Debo Samuels dealing with some type of injury. So, so Nick, fill us in on the 49ers backfield, please. Yeah, first and foremost, uh, Christian McCaffrey is, did not practice either of the first two days this week. Same with Elijah Mitchell. And Kyle Shanahan said on Wednesday that, you know, he wasn't going to make any guarantees about their availability for Sunday. But his expectation is that everybody, with the exception of Jimmy Garoppolo, will be available to the 49ers then. Uh, I asked Shanahan today if any of that changed with McCaffrey not practicing for a second straight day. And he said his concerns were the same as they were yesterday. And he kind of feels the same way as he did then. So the expectation still that he'll be able to go. And Christian McCaffrey did speak uh, today. And he said when he was asked if he had any, if there was any chance that he wasn't going to play, uh, he said, no, he said zero doubt. So he, he, he expects to be ready to go. Um, we'll have to kind of wait and see if he does anything on Friday. Elijah Mitchell, things are a little quieter on, but again, uh, Kyle Shanahan seems to indicate that, you know, for the most part, they are still optimistic that they're going to have all hands on deck. Now, if those guys are fully healthy is a whole other question that I don't think any of us have an answer to right now. I mean, really, at this point in, in stage in, in, in the season, who really is fully healthy, right? <laughs> yes. Very true, yeah. very true. But, yeah, in terms, right. just in terms of, you know, will they be able to take on a full workload and those types of things, um, I think that would all have to get sorted out on Sunday. I'm sure. What about Debo Samuel? Uh, he's he's dealing with some issues <laughs> as well. What What is he dealing with? Yeah, it's a weird one, Anita, because on Wednesday, Kyle Shanahan, you know, before practice is when we speak to Kyle Shanahan and the players, and he said at the time that Debo was going to sit out because of an ankle issue. Uh, and then we'd go out to practice about an hour later, and Debo was out there, and he was moving around just fine. And, and I asked Debo, you know, about the ankle, and he said he's just dealing with a little bit of soreness. Uh, but he did, he also didn't have any doubt that he's going to be ready for Sunday. He's been limited in practice the last couple of days, but that would be honest with you, Anita, from the parts that we get to watch at practice, which, granted, isn't all of it, he looks like he's fine, and it doesn't seem like it's anything super serious with him. You know, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, with Christian McCaffrey being a part of this offense, his role has changed immensely. Is, is he happy? I mean, because he's not the focal point anymore. You know, if, if you were to ask me who's the straw that stirs the drink, to me it is Christian yeah. McCaffrey. But, you know, how, how, does, how does Debo f- feel about his role this season with, with McCaffrey now part of the team? Yeah, you know, it's funny. He was one of the most excited people in that locker room when they got Christian McCaffrey. And I'll tell you this, and you know, this is – it applies to Debo Samuel, but it applies to a lot of guys. And I've, I've written about this a little bit, but you know, they have a lot of skill possession, skill position talent between Debo and McCaffrey and Mitchell and Ayuk and use and Kittle, all those guys. And I think they all kind of came to the realization very quickly that, Hey, if we want to win a Super Bowl, which is the ultimate goal. And this is a team that hasn't shied away from that since the beginning really of the off season program. I can remember need at the first day of training camp, them breaking down the huddle by saying the word championship, everybody yelling championship at the same time. So that is kind of the ultimate goal. And so I think they all knew that they were going to have to make some sacrifices along the way. If that meant individual numbers, that's fine. But the goal is to win a Super Bowl. And I know Debo kind of falls into that category too. He was very excited that they got Christian McCaffrey. And I think he views it as, 
Christian McCaffrey also has some gravity to him so that defenses are paying attention to him and open some things up for him. The hard part is, is those two guys haven't been on the field together a lot. Um, we've seen them here in the playoffs, but, you know, Debo got hurt uh, in that Tampa Bay game in early December. So uh, they really have only had, I think, I want to say three or four games uh, fully uh, playing together. So we haven't had a lot of opportunities to see how it works when they're both out there all the time. Nick Wagner joining us here on ESPN, uh, doing a deep dive into what's going on with the 49ers. Maybe I've buried the lead here, and the the lead really is Brock Purdy, right? I I mean, Mr. Irrelevant uh, now, you know, helping elevate this 49ers team to an NFC championship game. Uh, But we, we we saw a lot of rookie in him last week against Dallas, right? No, no touchdowns, uh, very uh, low, what, 36.9 or 39.6 passer rating, only 50% uh, third down conversion rate. Um, and now, even though, yeah, the Dallas Cowboys get more pressure than anyone else, but all around the Eagles defense is the better defense. They're number one against the pass. What are your realistic expectations for Brock Purdy this week against the Eagles? Yeah, the number one thing that it has to start with for him is taking care of the ball. And, and that was really the difference in the game last week, Anita, was that Brock Purdy didn't throw any interceptions. There was one close call, you know, that ball that got deflected and Trayvon Diggs missed the opportunity to come up with an interception. But other than that, his ball security has been really good. In fact, Kyle Shanahan told me this week that it's the number one thing that he's been most impressed with with Brock Purdy is his ability to take care of the ball and um, how that has affected what they do in terms of the turnover battle. So that's kind of where it starts. And I think, I think the other thing for him is, is, you know, we kind of, uh, the way I look at it is every week Brock Purdy is taking a test and so far he has passed all the tests, but also every week the stakes of those tests get bigger. So this is the bigger than the week before and the one before that and, and so on and so forth. And so you're going on the road, and it really is going to be a loud, raucous environment in Philadelphia. The only thing even close to that that he's seen this year was in Seattle, which is, interestingly enough, Anita, Kyle Shanahan told me the other day that before the Niners played in Seattle, now mind you, they hadn't even clinched a playoff spot yet at that point, Kyle Shanahan was telling Brock Purdy and the team that this is going to be like a dry run for us because we could see Philadelphia in the NFC championship game. That's a a true story. They were already thinking ahead that that was a possibility. So about how important it was for Brett Purdy to get that rep in that environment where they could work silent count and have an opportunity to work communication that way. And so um, that is going to be another big part of this. They also have to get off to a quick start. The Eagles, uh, obviously we know what their pass rush is capable of, but they are known for jumping out to leads. And once they do that, if they can make things one, if they make this Niners offense one dimensional and Brock Purdy has to throw, the Niners are going to be in a lot of trouble. On the defensive side of the ball, right? Like this defense, as we know, number one in in, in the NFL. What's their take? Because I truly, I don't think Jalen Hurts is 100%. Um, I, yeah. I liked the Giants to cover last week at seven and a half because I thought their defense would able would be able to get to him and rattle him up, maybe like re-aggravate that shoulder. Uh, but the Giants couldn't even sniff him. I, I mean, no hits, no sacks, no no hurries, no uh, nothing. I mean, that offensive line was unbelievable. So looking at that game tape, and, and I'm not comparing the Giants' defensive front to the 49ers, Avi, but sure. you know what what what's this? What's the game plan for this 49ers defense? 
Yeah, they've got a lot to consider, Anita, because if you go and look at how Jalen Hurts has performed against teams that are really good at stopping the run, because let's let's be honest, that's the number one thing that the Eagles offense wants to do. They want to run the ball down your throat. So if the Niners can stop that, that, that gets them off to a good start. The problem is, is that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense can also beat you over the top. And, and I think there was two games this year the Eagles played against top 10 run defenses. One was the Titans. The other one was the Steelers, and they did a good job. Both of those teams did a good job of stopping the run. But what Jalen Hurts did in those games, I think he averaged something like 330 passing yards in those two games. So basically, if you sell out to stop the run, you could very well be in trouble in terms of deep shots and getting big plays in the passing game down the field. The question is, the Niners, to your point, do they feel like Jalen Hurts is healthy enough that he can take advantage of taking those deep shots if they're there? Or do the Niners feel like they are good enough all the way around to just play solid defense, let everybody do what they're supposed to do, where you don't have to have an extra person, you know, spying on Jalen Hurts with a linebacker or anything like that, that they can kind of continue to do what they always do, which is play zone coverage and have that front four create pressure. So that's going to be kind of the interesting cat and mouse game there is, is how healthy do they feel Jalen Hurts is. And remember, Anita, these two teams played in week two last year. Jalen Hurts ran for 82 yards and a touchdown in that game. The Niners have not been great against mobile quarterbacks. They didn't see a lot of them this year, but even as recently as New Year's Day against the Raiders in Las Vegas, Jared Stidham, I think he only ran for 34 yards that year, but if you go watch that tape, a lot of the big plays that he made, and he threw for 360-something yards, was because he was able to extend plays with his legs and throw the ball down the field. So all of that is what the Niners are dealing with right now and trying to figure out exactly what they believe Jalen Hurts is capable of and what he's not. Before I let you go, just big picture, you know, champagne problems in regards to the quarterback situation that this 49ers team is in right now, right? Like Trey Lance, we know they gave up the world to move up and get him. Jimmy Garoppolo, now we're seeing what Brock Purdy can do. Uh, if, if you were wagering man, Nick, who would you wager is going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers next year? Yeah, I think as we sit here right now, the answer has to be Brock Purdy. And the way I kind of look at it is is if you view the starting quarterback job for the 49ers as like a prize at the end of the road, I think Brock Purdy's really far down the road right now. Like he's almost to that point. But there's still a little wiggle room. And the thing is, is the Niners don't have to answer that right now. So they're not going to. They're going to get as much information as they can and, and make that decision. But look. Remember back in 2017, the 49ers traded for Jimmy Garoppolo from the Patriots. He started the last five games of that season. The Niners went 5-0, and and Garoppolo played pretty well. Remember what the Niners did that offseason? They made Jimmy Garoppolo the highest-paid player in NFL history at the time that he signed his contract, and that was based off of five games. Brock Purdy has already played more than five games. He started seven, really basically had eight because he played most of that eighth game against Seattle. And he's won games with much bigger stakes than anything Jimmy Garoppolo did. So I think the Niners have to kind of look at it as Purdy is the leader in the clubhouse right now. If he wins another game and becomes the first rookie ever to get to a Super Bowl, I don't know how you could deny him that opportunity. And if he wins it, I think it's all academic at that point. All right, I want to thank Nick Wagner, of course, for joining us here on 98.7 ESPN New York Game Day, getting you ready for that 49ers-Eagles matchup. When we come back, we kick off hour number two of New York Game Day, and Matthias and I, we will dive into the Nathaniel Hackett hiring of the Jets. We'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776.
Uh, let's let's get this discussion going right here next on New York Game Day, 98.7 ESPN.